Father, this morning as we look at uh, what you've called this church to, how you've uh, led the leaders, the elders of this church to articulate uh, just the vision for, for what it is that we're doing here in Bartlett, what it is that we're a part of across the globe. Lord, as we think about all of these things, would you draw our attention to each of our individual responsibilities, each of our individual roles in this greater thing called your local church? Lord, and as we discover that, as we think about that, would you even draw our hearts towards becoming the kind of people who reveal to the world the Jesus who came and lived and worked miracles and died and rose again. Lord, that we might be witnesses of the truth of Jesus Christ. Lord, would you make these changes in us? Would you not let us leave this morning the same way that we came in? But would you do a work inside of us to make us the kind of people that you desire us to be? This cannot happen without your work. Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. So we trust you for these things, and we pray all of it in Jesus' name. Amen. So questions are an incredible tool for us. I love questions. If you ever get into a discussion with me, you may feel like you're in the middle of an interrogation because I love to understand things. I love to ask tons of questions. Like people are the most interesting thing in the world. And so questions have a really strong function for me because if there's something that I don't understand about a person, you know what I can do to like understand better? I can ask a question right? Like that's, that's what we get to do. So, so, so uh, we discover questions even as we're, like we're kids, right? My daughter's not there yet, but, but when kids grow up to be a certain age, they have a favorite question to ask. And that question is why? Uh, they ask why, and then you explain to them why, and you go, and then, the, and then after you explain it to them, they ask again why, and then you explain that to them, and then they, they'll keep asking uh, because they, they can't stop asking the question why. They want to understand the reason. They're trying to discover something, right? They're trying to dig down into the reason for something. Uh, education, Edu- like as I went through education, and even as I got especially into college and then into seminary, what I, what I learned really about education, it, it's not necessarily about information, right? It's about learning how to ask the right questions. Like education and growing in thought and growing in understanding, it's not, it's not necessarily about getting, because you can spend all your life trying to get and get and get information, but you need to learn how to ask the right questions to come to the right understanding. Like entire professions, entire professions are built around asking the right questions. Like what do lawyers do? Like let's just be honest, like what do lawyers do? Lawyers ask questions. They ask questions to witnesses. They ask questions to, uh, to the law, right? They come to uh, different court decisions that have been made with their own predetermined questions in mind. Okay, so think of like one of the top businesses today. Like in our country, there are like a, a bunch of businesses that have risen to the top. One of them is Google. Why does Google exist? Because we like to ask questions, right? And Google helps us answer those questions. It helps us to gain understanding. And that's, there's like, there's something about us human beings we love to discover, 
We love to understand. We love to uncover things, and, and questions help us get through this process of discovery. We can't discover something without first having a question. So our passage today, uh, we, we come upon some events, uh, actually like one key event that happens following the death and resurrection of Jesus. So, so for the writers of God's word, and particularly for the writer of our passage this morning, the death and resurrection of Jesus, it became this like new, cosmic, universal, organizational point. Like the death and resurrection of Jesus, it completely rewired reality for the writers of Scripture, and particularly for the writer of our passage, his name is Luke, this morning. Uh, The death and resurrection of Jesus became for him this kind of new filter, this new focal point that helped him understand the rest of reality. It kind of became the foundation from which he started looking at the rest of reality. So because this thing happened, This new cosmic organizational point came about, the death and resurrection of Jesus. It actually helped him to kind of interpret reality. It gave him a new foundation of understanding. It gave all the the, the biblical writers in the New Testament kind of this new foundation of understanding. This is what they believed. This is what they came to understand. Jesus' resurrection is the most important event in history. Jesus' resurrection is the most important event in history because if it happened, if it actually happened, it validates every single thing that he said to actually be true. If it actually happened, it validates everything that he said. And so, if that's the case, it creates a question. It creates a question, and it's not just any question, but it is the most important question that any human being could ask. So here's humanity's new most important question. Who is Jesus, and what did he do? If Jesus actually died and actually rose from the dead, then there's a new question for every single person that lives on earth. And that question is, who is Jesus and what did he do? Like this guy lived, he did miracles, he taught with authority, and then we read that he died for sins and rose from the dead. So if it actually happened, like it's gotta make people wonder about who this guy is. So we come upon the disciples and, and they're with Jesus immediately following this new like cosmic universal organizational point and they have some things that they are wondering. And so, uh, so verse 6, they ask a question. It says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So in their mind, in their mind, the most important event in history had taken place. And so now then, like, they're like, you know, we finally understand. We have come to see this most important thing. So now, obviously, the next step, Jesus, is that you are going to establish God's kingdom. Like, they're, that, that just made sense to them. The most important event in history, and then, like, the next thing, God is going to establish his kingdom, because this like cosmic question and its answer have been revealed in Jesus. In fact, scripture uses a very specific word to describe this cosmic question. It uses the word mystery. 
So, so mystery all throughout the Old Testament. It's like uh, the, the prophets and, and the, the different writers of Scripture, they have all been writing about this thing that, that was waiting to be uncovered. And then Jesus comes on the scene and it's like this whole thing is finally revealed. This whole thing is opened up. And so, so the disciples are like, well, the mystery is now revealed. It's here. Jesus, the dead and risen Messiah, he has come. And so, so all of history was kind of pointing towards this. They're kind of thinking, okay, like now the, the, the next logical thing that's going to happen is that God is going to like somehow establish his kingdom on earth. So this is like kids at Christmas time, right? So, uh, so uh, you know, the kids, you'd, they were there waiting all day to open the presents. And, and parents explained to the kids, well, you know, we'll open presents after dinner. Right, so, so the kids are anxiously awaiting dinner because they know the next thing that has to happen is they're gonna open their presents, right? This is the same exact thing. Like They're like, okay, the Messiah has come and now the kingdom is gonna come, right? Like These two things are, are, are so close together. Dinner's over, okay, it's time for presents, right? They're missing something, though. They're missing something huge and important because their attention is entirely on one group of people. Their attention is entirely on Israel. Israel setting up their kingdom, Israel becoming a nation. When the Messiah comes, then Israel becomes this powerful nation, right? That's what they understood. But this, this cosmic and most important question and answer, if you look really carefully at the Old Testament, it actually like it went out from one people to include all people. It moved outward from Israel to all people. And so, so this is what Jesus is going to do. Jesus hears their question. He sees where they're coming from, but he's like concerned. You're asking the wrong question, right? So Jesus is going to do two things for them. First, he's going to take their focus off of one thing. He's going to tell them where their focus is wrong, and then he's going to reset their focus on where it needs to be. So, so he takes their focus off of something in verse 7. He said to them, It is not for you, to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So Jesus essentially says the kingdom, the kingdom is going to be established. God has promised it, it will happen, but you don't concern yourself with when or how or what events will take place. Actually, that's not where your focus belongs. It's something to look forward to, certainly, but you actually, your attention needs to be in a different place. Like, you don't need to be concerned with this right now. Here's where your concern lies, and he puts their focus where it needs to be, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. So Jesus is, is talking to his disciples and these words that he says to his disciples, they remain true for every single follower of Jesus from that point forward. And so here's where your focus needs to be. Two things specifically. First of all, you will be empowered for a purpose. You will be empowered for a purpose. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. The implication is this. You cannot effectively meet your purpose. You cannot effectively step into the thing that you're supposed to step into without the power that's going to come. This is like a refrigerator. A refrigerator cannot keep food cold if it's not plugged into the wall. Our live stream cannot like get uh, words and music out to other people without internet and a soundboard and uh, and electricity. Right? Like these things empower the live stream to work. Uh, your car it won't take you places without the internal 
internal combustion engine, which runs on gas, like the gasoline provides the power for the car to take you places. In the same way, Jesus followers, we cannot fulfill the purpose that we have been given apart from the power that is going to come. The first thing that you need to do, the first thing that you need to know, and and Jesus puts their attention in this place, is that the God of the universe, the Holy Spirit, is going to come upon you and give you power for the thing that he's calling you to. So, that's the power. The second thing that we see is the purpose. The purpose is to be witnesses. So, notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, the Holy Spirit will come upon you to give you power to witness. He doesn't say, and this is like a really careful distinction, so you have to be careful. He doesn't say he will give you power to witness. He says he will give you power to be witnesses. So, uh, so to say it another way, it's like this. You are not simply empowered to do, but to be. You are not simply empowered to do, but to be. So this is not like just about your actions. This is about the entirety of your person. All that you are will be a witness. So, so right now in e-learning, uh, we are working with the kids through the Crossroads curriculum, and we're talking about what it means to be healthy, right? So, so when you talk to kids about being healthy, the first thing that they think of is, I have to like eat the right food and exercise, right? But what we're talking about in terms of being healthy, it, it's like health is about your whole person, right? So, so, so health involves the physical and, and the mental and the emotional and, and the spiritual, and, and our spirituality is actually like connected to the whole person. So when we talk about being healthy spiritually, it actually like works itself out physically. It works itself out in the emotional realm. It works itself out mentally, like all of these things, like what we know, how we feel, the actions that we take with our physical body, all of these things tie together into what it means to be healthy. Health, to be healthy, is about being healthy as a whole person. And so, like, when he says the Holy Spirit will empower you to become, to be something, what is it that he empowers you to be? He empowers you to be witnesses. Witnesses comes from a Greek word called uh, marturas, which we get our word martyr from. We get our English word martyr. So, so um, we'll come to exactly what that means in just a second, but a witness I just want to tell you very simply what a witness does. A witness reveals what they know to be true. A witness reveals what they know to be true. So, so when you call a witness into court, what is the purpose that you call a witness into court for? Well, you call them in to, to simply tell what they know to be true, to reveal what they know to be true. So Christian martyrs, when we talk about Christian martyrs, it's a term that we use to describe for, to, for people who died for their faith. And, and why do we use that word? Because even today, like around the world, Christians are placed on trial under threat of death. And on trial, under threat of death, what the people who are holding them on trial are trying to figure out is, will you continue to say that this thing you believe about Jesus is true? And if you will, you know what you're going to lose? You're going to lose your life. Right? So will you remain true? Will you continue to reveal the truth? They won't. So like to say that Jesus is not real, that their faith is not true, like this is what these people want, but the martyrs remain committed to the truth of Jesus' lordship even until death. And that's why we have this title, Martyr for Them. Like to be witnesses. 
to be people who in all circumstances, even at the threat of death, would reveal what you know to be true about what? So go back to the beginning. Remember this cosmic shift. Remember humanity has now a new most important question. Who is Jesus and what did he do? Who is Jesus and what did he do? So, so when, when Jesus says this, when he says he's going to empower you to be witnesses, this is essentially what he's saying. Jesus followers are the answer to the question. Who is Jesus and what did he do? Jesus followers, we are the answer to the question. So don't miss this, church. Like we have now, we have access to the Holy Spirit, the God of the universe right now full access. So we yield to him. We ask him to fill us. We talk about, we use this language to talk about the ways that we would seek the Holy Spirit to have more and more control over our lives. Why? To let every single part of who we are reveal to the world what we know to be true about Jesus. That our prayer life would reveal what we know to be true about Jesus. That what we do with our physical bodies, the good and the good ways that we use them, and and even like the bad things that we would try to avoid with them would reveal what we know to be true about Jesus. Like uh, the way that we use our words would reveal what we know to be true about Jesus. That the way that we treat others would reveal what we know to be true about Jesus. That the things that we say about Jesus would reveal the things that we know to be true about him. The, the, the joy that we have in all of our circumstances would reveal no, what we know to be true about Jesus. That, that our peace in the midst of chaos would reveal it. That our commitment to Jesus above all else would reveal it. Like the nature of all of our lives belonging to Jesus as we go into every space that we inhabit would reveal to people and witness to people what we already know to be true about Jesus. So Jesus, he, he's saying to all of his followers, I'm going to empower you to be the answer to the world's now most important question. I'm going to empower every single one of you to be the answer to the most important question. So now, uh, you may have heard me go through that list, and you might feel like you're falling short, because honestly, I made the list, and I went, well, I don't know that I take the best care of my physical body. Like, I don't know that I always treat my body like a temple, especially when I go and eat Oberweiss a few days a week. You know, like, um, so I don't, I don't know that I'm, I'm honoring Jesus in all of the ways that I do it. So, so you may have heard me read that list and feel like you're falling short. Well, welcome to the life that you now share with every other person in the room. We all are finding different ways to fall short. We all are works in progress, but here's the key. Are you connected to the power source that works through different pieces of your life, through every piece of your life and brings you more and more in line into the image of Jesus? Are you empowered to be witnesses? And this is why we seek to yield more control to the Spirit, more control of our person, our being to the Spirit. And and as we do that, we will become the answer to the question, who is Jesus and what did he do? So, so we're empowered for a purpose, and then finally, we're empowered for that purpose in a place. So, read on in verse 8. It says, we do this in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So, so uh, you know, the implication of this is we answer this question 
by connecting, Jesus is telling his disciples, you're gonna answer this question, who is Jesus and what did he do, by, by connecting with people in Jerusalem. And then, you know what, you're gonna talk with the people in Jerusalem and you're gonna live with them and you're gonna work amongst them, you're gonna preach the gospel there and as you connect with them in a meaningful way, like you're gonna answer the question for them as you do that in Jerusalem. And then you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna go to Judea and Samaria and in these places, you're gonna go and you're gonna live amongst them and you're gonna work with them and they're gonna see who you are and as you do that and as you even open up about who Jesus is and share your faith with them, you're gonna connect with them in a meaningful way and you're gonna answer the question question for them, right? And then you're going to go to the ends of the earth, to to places, to people who have never even heard of the God of Israel. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to connect with them in a meaningful way. And it's going to create questions and answer questions about who is Jesus and what did he do? Like now, now, now people in Jerusalem, like this question is already on their mind because Jesus like just lived in Jerusalem, right? He just did his ministry in this area. Everybody in Jerusalem knows who Jesus is. But, but the further out you get, the less and less people know about Jesus. To the point where Paul is now going to Greek people who have never heard him and going like into Athens where all they have is Greek philosophy to know how to ground them. And he's trying to connect different ideas that they have with the God of the universe who died and rose again. So, so this doesn't change the fact. Like even when we go into places that people don't know Jesus, it doesn't change the fact that the, the most important question still is, who is Jesus, and what did he do? So, so this is what that means. In places where people are not familiar with Jesus, and, and you may actually recognize, like, our culture is becoming less and less familiar with Jesus. But just because that's true does not mean that our mission has changed. Like, like we still have a responsibility to be witnesses, to answer the question about who is Jesus and what did he do. So, so, This is what that means. Jesus followers connect with people in a meaningful way that does two things. It naturally creates the question. Naturally creates the question, who is Jesus and what did he do? And then it reveals the answer to that question, who is Jesus and what did he do? So so Jesus says to his disciples, you know what, you're going to be empowered to do this in Jerusalem, your home right now the people who you're very familiar with, the people who you're close to. But then you know what you're going to do after that is you're going to go out to Judea. Judea is their region. They're going to go out a little further to people around Jerusalem, and they're going to start sharing with them, revealing, connecting with them, revealing the question and answering the question, who is Jesus and what did he do? And then he says, you're going to go to Samaria. Now, what is Samaria? Samaria are the people who live in the same region, but they, they're far different from the Jewish people. Right? So you're going to go to the people who live around you but don't look like you and don't think like you and don't believe the same things that you believe and don't understand the same way that you do. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to go to them and you're going to connect with them and reveal the question to them and help them answer it. And then you're going to go out to the ends of the earth, to the people furthest away, the people who have no concept of God. And you're going to you're going to go and you're going to connect with them. You're going to love them. You're going to create the question. You're going to help them answer it. Okay, so, so we've been working through this series on vision, right? This is our last week in this series on vision. So, so three weeks ago, we started with our purpose. Our purpose is we are working together to restore hope to all people. And then we have a specific strategy, a way that we accomplish that, is that we're developing Jesus followers who worship, love, 
and connect. So our, her, our purpose, it, it highlights this desperate need that we were without hope. But then we encountered this question, which is who is Jesus and what did he do? Right? Somebody answered that question for us. And because somebody answered that question for us, he restored hope to us. Like he brought hope into our lives. And so now we participate in the bringing of that hope to other people. We do it the way that Jesus did. He called people to follow him. So, so these three words, worship, love, and connect, they help us simplify what it means to follow Jesus. Two weeks ago, we looked at worship. Last week, we looked at love. And this week, we're talking about what it means to connect. What does it mean to connect? And everything about creating the question, about answering the question for people is involved in that. Okay, so how do we do this? How will we become Jesus followers who connect? So, uh, so imagine, I don't have one up here, but imagine I had a three-legged table up here. Um, and these words, worship, love, and connect, were the things that held up this three-legged table called Alliance Bible Church. Um, it's like just as I've been here the last year and a half, as I've been evaluating, trying to understand who we are, trying to understand what's going on, I would say like two of those legs are pretty strong. Two of those legs, worship and love, they're, they're holding the table up well. The connect piece, that, that's the leg that's maybe falling apart. Maybe the, the table's tipped over even right now uh, because the, we're, we're missing out on connecting with our neighbors, connecting with uh, people who are far from God, connecting with the lost and bringing them. And, I, and I, so, so as the Lord's been like helping me understand this church and helping me understand where we need to go and helping even our leaders and our elders understand where we need to go, we really see that we need to rebuild, we need to work on, we need to put, put our attention on this connecting piece. So over the next few months, this is what we're going to do. We're in our preaching, in our worship service, we're going to hone in on what it looks like for us to become people who connect. So, so remember, Jesus followers connect with people in a meaningful way that naturally creates the question and reveals the answer to the question. So how do we do that? Well, we do it with words and actions. So, uh, so when we connect with people, we connect with them through words and actions that show people that we love them and are for them. And then, you know what, the next step when we go to actually like create the question, you know what we do? Like we, we use words and actions that create questions for these people about Jesus. And then after that, you know what we do? Like the next part, we, we use words and actions that reveal people, reveal to people the answers to the questions. So, so we'll talk over the, next, the course of the next two months. You're like, wow, that's big and that's massive. I wonder how we can even begin to tackle that. Over the next two months, we're gonna really look at, at what it means for us to connect and love people well. For us to, as we love them well, people who are far from God, to, to get close to them, to, to then start to create questions about Jesus. And then as we create the questions about Jesus, for us to even be those who reveal the answers about who is Jesus and what did he do. So, so we'll talk about what that looks like for us as a church of individuals to go out into our spheres of influence and begin to do this. Okay, so what? So what? So I just have two. So as we talk about what it means to, for us to connect as a church, there are kind of two big picture ways that we as a church do that. Number one, you can reinforce how we, Alliance Bible Church, connect. 
Not, not how we connect together, right? That's the love piece, but how we connect with those who are outside of our church, those who are beyond the walls of our church. How do we do that? Well, we have crossroads. We have an e-learning center. We have different local outreach things that we do. We, uh, we do host these events, an egg hunt and harvest fest, right? We don't have the opportunity to do that right now because of COVID, right? But these are things that we do to show, to connect, to make, to build connections between our church and these people. So, so when opportunities come, you can support them. Like even like when you give your, your tithe and your offering to this church, like we are funding mission, the mission of this church to be a place in our community. Like we're paying money for this building and this building now we get to host an e-learning center in this building so that we can build connections with our community. Right, so when you give to the church, like you're funding mission. When you pray, like uh, you know, uh, I, I've been so encouraged to see how many people have that reminder in their phone at twelve fifteen every day to pray for the e-learning center, to pray for the connection that we're making with these families. That is encouraging to me because when we pray, it gets God's energy behind the things that we're trying to do, right? Like it's, he shows him that like our attention is on this and it brings his attention into focus with that with us. So we can pray and put energy behind it in that way. You can serve with these teams, right? You can serve along with Crossroads and with the e-learning. These are ways that we build connection. You can serve in even the bigger events that we have. And so I just want to say, like, when these opportunities come around, make sure that, that you find ways to support them because the goal of those is to help this church be a witness in our community, to create questions about who is Jesus and what did he do and to reveal the answers to those questions. Number two. So if that's us, number two is about you. Start developing your own ministry of connection. Maybe this is with your neighbors. Maybe this is with your coworkers. Maybe this is with the attendees in the coffee shop that you frequent when it's not COVID. Um, and you know, I, I don't know like who the group is, but, but pick a place. Pick a place and a group of people with whom you are going to be more intentional about connecting with. You're going to connect with them so that you might create questions about Jesus and that you might be able to answer those questions. Why? Because those people do not know the hope that they're missing. Right? And we have a hope that we could not otherwise have had if somebody did not share that same hope with us. Right? People who haven't met Jesus are people who are headed to an eternity of suffering and separation from God because they don't have this hope. They're, they're the people to whom Jesus extends the invitation to trust and follow him. So would you join Jesus in extending that invitation in your spheres of influence? So start developing your own ministry of connection. Okay, so I've said all of that. If I could simplify it into one main point, one statement, this is what I want you to walk away with this morning. Church, love the lost so well. Love the lost so well that they wonder about Jesus. Love the lost so well that they wonder about Jesus. You know, I... I could tell some stories about even people in this church. We sent off the Malusinich family last week. You know, the Malusinich family, they're a story of people who were loved so well by people at Alliance Bible Church that they started to wonder about Jesus. 
and it led to 25 years of impact in ministry here at this church. Dave and Gina Mueller, who used to be a part of this church, they, they told me, I, before I came to ABC, I actually got to sit down with Dave and Gina and hear their story. And their story is one of, of uh, people who, who came and uh, loved them so well that they started to, to wonder about Jesus. Dave was not interested in following God. Dave was not interested in the things of God, but, but people loved them so well that they started to wonder about Jesus. My family, when I was a teenager, um, involved doing, like living my own life, uh, my parents, uh, people from a church invested in my life, invested in the life of my family. They loved my family so well that both of my parents started to wonder about Jesus, and it drew now my whole family to Jesus, right? So this is the opportunity that we have, that we would connect with people, that we would love the lost so well that they start to wonder about Jesus. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, as we are seeking just to discover what it means to, to be your church here in the middle of Bartlett, to, to love people well, to, to share with them the good news about the hope that has been given to us in Jesus. Lord, as we start understanding what it looks like to be witnesses, to, to as a church be a collective witness in this community, but then even as individuals to be witnesses in our spheres of influence. Holy Spirit, we cannot do it if we are not connected to your power. So, so Lord, I, I ask this morning that you would lead us to have a greater submission to you. Lord, that you would even lead us to asking for a greater filling. That, that we might effectively be able to step in as we yield more control of our lives over to you that we might effectively be able to step into our spheres of influence and love people well, and as we love people, that we would create questions about who Jesus is. And Lord, you would empower us to be the answers to those questions. Lord, we love you for the amazing things that you've done for us. Lord, would you help us to draw other people into your love? We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.